TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. What a weekend. A lot to talk about. Monday, January 22nd, 2024. Welcome in. To the Gabe Kuhn Show. I am your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman Gabe Kuhn on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That'd be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, what's the word, brother? How was your weekend? Good? Great weekend. Good to hear. Over the snow. Way over. Yes, 100%. But it was a hot, balmy, sweaty 43 out there. It was a good weekend for me. Bad weekend for my sports teams. Really? Okay. Yeah. Grizzlies, Tigers, both lose. Tough weekend. Yeah talking to my brother who was actually producing the game um, in Chicago on Saturday night. He said, are you excited for the game? I was like, I don't think it's going to go well on the road. Very short, a lot of players. And he didn't realize how short they were on players until he actually saw the starting lineup that was run out there. Um, I tried to warn him that Jaron Jackson Jr. is the only normal starter, but uh, he, didn't, he, didn't really, he didn't really fully understand that. I did, I did tell him about Vince Williams Jr. I Good. said, that's my guy. That's my guy. Make sure you keep an eye on him tonight. He's fun. He's a good player. They just signed into a long-term extension. He was impressed. He was quite impressed. But we had more where that came from. Tigers dropped their second straight. Now, they stayed in the AP poll. I was surprised about that. They're 22nd in the coaches poll, 19th in the AP poll. So, I don't know if we can complain about any type of Memphis slant or a slant away, a bias against Memphis when they only dropped nine spots after losing two games in a row, one quad three, one quad two. So it was a bad week. They need to rebound, and they need to figure out what they're going to do going forward and what to fix, uh, how to fight the emotional lulls. There's also some uh, awaiting drama in general. Uh, Jordan Brown's back. He's back on the, uh, on the roster. On the team. He may get some playing time here coming up soon. But there is plenty, especially with divisional matchups um, and and what we saw this weekend on Saturday and Sunday in the NFL. And, uh, of course, we're going to start here in just a moment where we ended last night with the Chiefs versus the Bills. Um, Bad for the the Bills. And we're going to talk with Jeff Calkins around 5 o'clock about it. Um, I definitely saw a lot of people sending their well wishes to him because it is just cruel and unusual. What continues to happen to the Bills, especially when they face the Chiefs. But on the other side, the greatness of the Chiefs as a franchise and Patrick Mahomes as the head of that franchise, the face of that franchise, the numbers I'll go through, it continues to be absolutely insane what he's been able to accomplish. Even when things look bad, even when things look bare, we know his wide receivers are as bad as they've been since he's been in Kansas City. 
even when it looks bad, when they're down by seven, I'll give you the record as well. It's unbelievable uh, in the playoffs. Um, he still comes through in a big way. Now, I, I, I do kind of get annoyed. I, I, this is just generally speaking, and I've, I've talked about this before, Connor. The quarterback versus quarterback conversations in the NFL, they're overplayed. I understand they sell. But I think it's just lazy consistently when we do quarterback versus quarterback because when we look at Patrick Mahomes' side of this whole thing, number two ranked defense all year, that O-line has played well even though through some early struggles this year. Jawan Taylor still looks bad with all the penalties he's had, but that offensive line's really good. Travis Kelsey's still living. Um, Andy Reid's one of the best coaches we've seen in NFL history. So I think there's some, some good things outside of Patrick Mahomes on that, uh, on that Chiefs side. But Patrick Mahomes, it's unbelievable what he's been able to accomplish in just five and a half years. Like, think about that. Five and a half years. He's been to six AFC championship games in five and a half years so far. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Now, I talked about Jeff Calkins at 5 o'clock. Parker Fleming will join at 4.30. Um, he does sub-sack elitis. Uh, he covers the Grizzlies very, very close. And make sure you go. Check out his Substack, Substack Elitist. Um, and we'll talk about the Grizzlies, what we expect going into February. February trade, trade deadline, what are they going to make happen? Who can stay? Who can go? Zaire Williams. Did your brother have any takes on him? I'll say this, Good Connor. Lord, I'm, I'm glad that we talked about it on Friday because it's not that we're out ahead of it, but it is just becoming more and more apparent that when the going has gotten tough for him, he continues to shrink, man. Like, there's some guys that respond in a meaningful way. There's some guys that will have a couple of games where they struggle and they absolutely kill their team, and then they'll come back and they'll try to better themselves and they'll look better and they'll play better. They'll play with a little bit more confidence. Zaire Williams is now minus 77 and is plus minus in the last four games. He, he started the year well. Ten points a game, right around six rebounds per game. Was doling out some assists with those first four games of the new year. It has gone straight downhill. So I think Parker will have to talk to him about that. We'll take a trip around the NFL at 5.30. Um, and then, of course, we'll end the show with small talk. Because at 6 o'clock, we have Grizzlies at Raptors. 6.30 will be the tip. But we will pass you off to Gary Darby at 6 o'clock for pregame on the Memphis Grizzlies radio network right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Now let's start where we finished last night. And uh, Kevin Harlan, take it away. This is what happened last night that uh, ended up sending the Bills home. Tyler Bass will try a 44-yard field goal to tie. The wind at his back. The snap is good. The ball put down. The kick is up. And no good. Wide right. Wide right. The Bills kicker missed a field goal. Wide right. Jubilation for the Chiefs sideline. 143 to go. Bass missing wide right from 44. He pushed it right. It looked like he wanted it to hook in from the right post. And I don't know if it was the wind or he mishit it, but it just violently moved right like a slice in golf. It was the wind, no question about it. It got pushed out there. It was a little bit of a slice, too, from Tyler Bass. I know if you were watching CBS, you, you sort of figured it was going to be the kiss of death because the stat they put up there previous to Tyler Bass's miss was he was 9-for-9 nine nine in the playoffs when he was uh, kicking field goals. And uh, he is now 9-for-10, and 
the tenth one is the worst one for the Bills. Now, I want to start with the Bills in general. Um, this is a really tough spot to be in. You have now lost five straight years in the playoffs. Um, Josh Allen, when you look at his postseason career with how well he has played, how good he is as a quarterback, one of the top three quarterbacks in this National Football League, he's 5-1 and one in the postseason when not facing Mahomes. He's 0-3 when he does. It just means he does not get through when he needs to. When he needs to get over top of the best of the best, he's not able to do it. And then also, I think there's something to be said about Josh Allen in the, in the games he's won. Those five wins, in general, are not that impressive. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, five and one looks good when you're not facing Patrick Mahomes, but who are you beating when you're not facing Patrick Mahomes? 2020, farewell tour Phillip Rivers with the Colts. No, that's not it. 2020, Lamar Jackson concussion in the third quarter. That's, that's what happened with his second win in the playoffs. 2021, Mac Jones absolutely slaughtered the Patriots. No, that, that, does that impress anybody? They, they beat the hell out of them, no question, but that doesn't impress anybody. 2022, faced the Dolphins with Skylar Thompson. I'll say that again. 2022, faced the Dolphins and Skylar Thompson. And then in 2023, the one playoff win he had this year was against the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mason Rudolph. Now, I thought that this was the time he's going to be able to get through. They're at home. They have Patrick Mahomes coming on the road for the first time ever in his playoff career. Yet, no dice. No dice. And I don't think it's Josh Allen's fault. I thought Josh Allen played a pretty clean game. Didn't have a turnover. He was 17-0 going into those games with no turnovers. 17-0 when he has no turnovers in his NFL career. He's now 17-1 when he has no turnovers. And that one loss, of course, is to our guy, Patrick Mahomes. And then you look at the Bills, just defensively, I thought last night they weren't good enough. They didn't have an edge about them. They allowed the Chiefs to be more efficient than the Chiefs have been on offense all year. 7.7 yards per play. The Bills had 78 plays to the Chiefs, 47. They possessed the ball for 37 minutes to the Chiefs, 22. And they only outgained the Chiefs by seven total yards. That defense didn't have edge last night. Isaiah Pacheco ran for 88 yards. Um, Patrick Mahomes threw for 215, two touchdowns. They didn't get a turnover. It was just all bad on the Bills' side last night. I thought Josh Allen was not the reason, to be honest with you. You thought that maybe he'd have some turnovers. Uh, He'd lead them down this path to losing. He did not do that last night. Um, But in the end of the day, the Bills, as a team, just did not perform to uh, to the full ability that they have, I think, on that roster. And now... You have to go back to the drawing board after five straight uh, years of, of coming up short with Josh Allen at the helm. And you haven't gotten through, and here comes Josh Allen's cap hit with his contract, with his contract extension. Going into next year, $47.1 million cap hit for Josh Allen at the quarterback position and what his contract is going to make the Bills pay. Um, it's going to be harder to compete going forward. So what are they going to do? They have some older players on the defensive side of the ball, especially, um, you know, you look at like a guy like Jordan Poyer. How long does he have? Uh, they had a bunch of injuries. Uh, Matt Milano, will he be able to come back with any semblance of himself going into next year? There's just so many things with the Bills where you have a lot of questions, and I don't know what it's going to look like heading into next year. And then there's real questions, in my opinion, about Stephon Diggs. Can we have this conversation? I think this is a real conversation that needs to be had. Last night, eight targets, three receptions, 21 yards. Stephon Diggs has not caught for 100 yards since week six against the Giants. 
has not caught for 100 yards since week six against the Giants. And this was the guy last year, after they got knocked out early by the Bengals, who was on the sideline wondering what the hell is Josh Allen doing. He's been turning the ball over. I can't trust this guy. At this point, you have to look at yourself. Look at the guy in the mirror, Stephon Diggs. You had a, a ball that was thrown 61 yards in the air right over your shoulder by Josh Allen last night that you dropped. It's a different game if you catch that. There was another one for 50 yards that he dropped right over the th- shoulder, dropped in a bucket. He's got to look himself in the mirror. This has been a guy who's been very loud and vocal and, and seemingly annoyed with the situation with the Bills, but now he has no one to blame but himself for the way things ended last night. It's going to be different. We have to uh, sort of look at Stephon Diggs in a different light going into next year. Is he still the same guy? I don't think he is. I truly don't. I still think he's a tremendous talent. He's a good route runner. But down the stretch of this season, again, has not caught for 100 yards since week six. He has shown that maybe he's lost a step. And if the Bills don't have that premier wide receiver to go along with Josh Allen, what are they going to look like on the offensive side of the ball? Because we know offensively they don't run the ball at a high level. That's not really what they do. They did better this year with James Cook. They can rely on him a little bit more. But they need a premier wide receiver to go along with Josh Allen. And I wonder if the Stephon Diggs time is up. Is up now on the Chiefs side. Jubilation, like like Kevin Harlan mentioned, it is unreal what Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team continues to do. Patrick Mahomes is now and this Chiefs team six straight AFC Championship game appearances. This is uh, <laughs> since 2011. This is kind of funny. This is going to be uh, uh, you know a consistency thing here. Um, It's either been Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game since 2011. Last time um, that it wasn't either one of those two, it was Ben Roethlisberger versus Mark Sanchez in 2011. But let's just go through the stats here for Patrick Mahomes. Six straight AFC Championship game appearances. When you look at his all-time ranks in his playoff career, he's first with, you know, among all quarterbacks with more than 10 starts, he's first in winning percentage, 813. First in total yards per game, 312. First in TD to INT, 38 to 7. First in passer rating, 106.7. First in completion percentage, 66.8, going on 67% completion percentage. And last night, I thought he was phenomenal. Even though there's some things that are working against him, wide receivers aren't that great. Um, He's had some issues with Travis Kelsey trying to get him involved. Travis Kelsey may have slowed down a little bit. Again, he could have had another 1,000-yard receiving season. He didn't. This was his least productive year um, in a long, long time. Yet Patrick Mahomes, in his first career road playoff game, when we think things are going to go bad for him, 74% completion percentage, 9.3 yards per attempt, two TDs, zero turnovers, 132 rating. Patrick Mahomes, when it looks bad consistently shows up. He is a mainstay in the AFC in the championship game and uh, potentially winning the AFC. And then also another, another stat to talk about when, it, when things seem like they're bad for, uh, for Patrick Mahomes, him coming through. His record in the playoffs when trailing by 7-plus in a game, in any playoff game, 8-2. and two. The rest of the NFL when trailing by 7 at any point in a playoff game, 13-60. and 60. His two losses were to Tom Brady. That kind of makes sense. It sort of checks out. But 8-2 and two when trailing by 7-plus points in a playoff game while the rest of the NFL is 13-60. and 60. And when you talk about 
<laughs> how young he is. Um, he now has the most playoff wins, 13, before turning um, 30. So he, he, he is already there. And when you look at the most career playoff wins for quarterbacks in general, he is tied with Brett Favre and Big Ben Roethlisberger. If he beats the Ravens coming up in the AFC Championship game, he will tie John Elway, Terry Bradshaw, and Peyton Manning, and he'll only be trailing two guys before turning the age of 30, and those two guys are Tom Brady and Joe Montana. He is the GOAT of the modern day. There's no question about it. But when we continue to go down this path with him, when we talk about his playoff success and his natural success with the Kansas City Chiefs, how long this may sustain itself, how good he is even when the things seem stacked against him, we're going to be talking about a guy who could potentially catch Brady in playoff wins. And Tom Brady played till he was 42 years old. Patrick Mahomes, I, I don't need to keep beating this you know, over the head because people understand this at this point. But Patrick Mahomes is one of the best we have ever seen. Um, and it's hard to imagine anybody coming along anytime soon and being able to replicate what he's been able to do with the Chiefs, with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and all these other guys. Yeah, that's why the stats that you just read off about Patrick Mahomes, listen, the missed field goal, it going wide right, too. Oh, of course, yeah. It has, they would have Shout rather, out to the Bills. If you're going to miss that field goal, you should have just kicked it off the back of the center's head. Because, like, Bills fans would have accepted that more than a wide right. Because th- the amount of PTSD moments that probably happen... <laughs> in that stadium Hearing last night. I mean, you saw they cut to the crowd, and it was like all of their dog died at the exact same time. It was awful, awful that they had to relive that. Um, even if he makes that, I tend to believe Mahomes had way too much time and marching yeah. down the field. And it it, it would have been it would have been even more excruciating, in my yeah, opinion. He so had what one forty on the it's clock. Like Tyler Bass missing that sucks, and it and it and it touched upon some trauma of Bill's past. There was no way Mahomes was losing that game at that point. Because what the Bills got it back with like eight minutes left. And you could tell that they were stretching. They were like, we have got to try to keep Mahomes off the field with time left because he is going to march down and score. It's just it was inevitable at that point. And then missing the field goal, it almost freed them from the pain to come with Mahomes. It was uh it was just a classic Bills loss. You ran for one hundred and eighty two. Mahomes or uh Allen didn't turn the ball over. You had a chance to tie it up, and you just whiffed it. It, it feels like it, it was a microcosm of Bill's history in a single quarter. Yeah, and they needed to be able to stop the run. They didn't do that. 15 carries, 97 yards in the TD for Isaiah Pacheco. They needed to be able to limit Patrick Mahomes and what he was able to do. Seemingly, that was going to be easier this year. With a lack of wide receiver help he has, they couldn't do that. They even had the fumble. There were moments before the fourth quarter that you were like, oh, this is finally going to be it. The ball is this bouncing is their way. The fumble by Josh Allen that they way. were able to hop on to. Like, there was a lot of things that were bouncing their way, but no dice in the end of the game because Patrick Mahomes is on that other sideline and the Chiefs Brutal. just have that championship DNA. And it's just, it is quite frustrating, I can imagine, for Bills fans to watch them fall short. And now going into the future, you just have so many questions. Stephon Diggs, Jordan Poyer, all these guys on the defensive side of the ball that were hurt. Josh Allen now getting paid a lot. Are you going to be able to pay um, the the supporting cast the same way? Probably not. You got you got you still have Josh Allen, and I think Josh Allen is a hell of a talent. But what does it look like going into the future 
you haven't been able to accomplish anything. Let's be honest, of, of note. And it is not looking good going into the future for this Bills team who we thought could be – I've seen people sort of do this with the Tom Brady and Peyton Manning thing. We thought that Josh Allen could be the, the yang to, uh, to Patrick Mahomes' ying. That's not close. It's not, it's not even remotely close in the grand scheme of things. Um, Josh Allen does not have success against Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have success in getting through an AFC championship game. He hasn't been to a Super Bowl. And I don't know if it's going to get any easier. In fact, it will get harder to go reach these heights that they have gotten to the last five years. So here we are in the same exact place that most people probably thought we would end. I thought that the Bills would have more of a chance. You're at home. (laughs) You, You have Patrick Mahomes in his first road playoff game, but Patrick Mahomes still comes through. He still comes through. When it matters. Now, uh, elsewhere in the divisional weekend, I do want to highlight the Bucks versus Lions game. Um, Thirty-one to twenty-three, the Lions get over top. I, I tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world. On- even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. I have to ask a question to you, Connor, because I saw this. This was like one of the biggest things from that game that, that people started discussing when it has to do with analytics. And you know how I feel about certain analytics. I think that we have become such an analytical society when we watch football that we've become almost common sense dumb. Yes. Right. So Todd Bowles goes for two down by eight um, when the Bucks cut it down to eight, and they miss it. They throw a fade ball. didn't work out. So they're down 31 to 23. Analytics apparently say to do that. And everybody was just going for it and saying, oh, yeah, the, the analytics say to do that. It's a 55% chance to go get that two-point conversion, 95% chance to hit both those extra points and go tie it up if they were to get that second uh, touchdown. I don't understand why people have just resigned themselves to the fact that you should go for two in that particular situation. And the only reason I say that is being in these on the sideline, in locker rooms, understanding the mental sort of fortitude of certain guys on a field. I feel as if going for the extra point there keeps a little bit of mental stress off of the offense. And when you go and 
go for two there and miss it, you'll see an offense that will start to press. You'll see an offense that realizes, I have to drive down this whole field, go get a touchdown, and then go get a two-point conversion at this point to just tie the ball game and get to overtime. I think when you take that extra point and you take that stress of the two away from the offense, you don't see what we saw from Baker Mayfield on his first pass on that final drive of the game where he tries to force it in and throws a pick. Analytics take into account a lot of different things, right? Success rates, all these different, you know, uh, down in distance, what do they look like, what can they run, how much do they work out of 12, 13, 11 personnel. But what they don't take into account is the mental capacity and sort of the mentality, the momentum shifts of a game. And I don't understand going for two down eight. And people will say, oh, well, if they get the two there, they just have to kick an extra point to go win the game. Couldn't they go for two on the, uh, on the second one? Couldn't they go for two? Wouldn't it still be a 55% chance to go, go for two and potentially win that ball game? Now other people will say, well, it's do or die at that point. Well, I think it's do or die if you miss the first two-point conversion as well. So I, we have gotten to a point in this analytics-driven era where we have more information than common sense. And it's frustrating for me to watch consistently. Even a guy like Todd Bowles is bought into it. This is a lifetime NFL head foot or football coach, defensive coordinator, head guy, who has probably not gone down this route consistently in his career, but he goes down this route because of all the information that's being provided to him at this particular point. And I thought it really hurt his team down the stretch of that game. Yeah, you know, I I understand that thought process because when you're watching the game, it does feel like the air gets sucked out of the other team once they miss that two-point conversion because they know what's ahead of them. Um, I tend to agree with you. I would rather go for that for the win at the end of the game I don't, I, rather I, than with the other thing, four minutes left. I don't understand what's so wrong with overtime. In the grand scheme of things, we've changed the rules because of Chiefs-Bills. And I'll talk about another rule change that everybody's talking about because of a Chiefs-Bills game. Um, but I don't know what's so wrong with overtime, especially in the playoffs. Give yourself a chance to win. You can play for a win. You, you really can. Even if you try to tie it up and go to overtime, you can still go win that ball game. I don't know why everybody is so against There's overtime. like There's this mindset that has happened and in, in recent years, with football games specifically, and it's not necessarily just an NFL thing. It, it happens in college football, too, where if you're the underdog, you're supposed to go for the win. Like, yeah. that keeps happening where it's like, oh, the underdogs here, they're only going to have a shot here to win the game. And it's like, I don't know, overtime, if you get a full overtime, that feels like a pretty long shot to win the game, too. So I feel like that bleeds into it as well, as where people are like, oh, well, they shouldn't be here anyway. They have a chance to win. You might as well take it now instead of doing what might make more sense. And then what's hilarious is you, you, you give Todd Bowles a whole bunch of credit, all these analytics guys giving him a whole bunch of credit for the passing the down eight test of going for two. And then at the end of that game, the Lions had a mishap taking their knees. The Bucks could have taken their final timeout with about 25 seconds to go and forced the Lions into a fourth down and because they, they took a knee way too early, and they didn't do that. So we're, we're, we're crediting this guy for making this decision. Then at the end of the game, there's a mishap with calling a timeout and potentially giving his, his team another chance to go drive the field. Now, it would have been really hard, no timeouts. Um, and what, 25, maybe less than that, 20 seconds to go. Um, but... That that was that was a frustration for me, but for the Lions, I I can't I can't say enough about what Dan Campbell has done. His opening presser when he became the head coach was talking about biting kneecaps and 
falling down and getting up and making things happen, uh, being the last person standing. They have done that this year. Uh, they, they have a chance to go beat the 49ers in the uh, NFC Championship game, especially with the way the 49ers looked against the Packers, which was not that great. Um, but <laughs> you just look at the first NFC Championship appearance since 1991, winning the NFC North. My three words going into this matchup were legend Dan Campbell. He's legendary now because of what he's been able to accomplish. And I think another guy that I, I have to shout out, Frank Ragnow, their starting center, um, all-pro guy. But um, he had a sprained knee and ankle in that game. Um, and for those that don't know about certain sprained knees, whether it be ACL, MCL, PCL, all those different CLs, um, sprained knees are actually scary. They can lead to a pretty severe injury if you continue to play on it. Frank Ragnow pushed through, and it looks like he's going to try to push through and, and, and play the NFC Championship game as well. And how about Jared Goff? Jared Goff, <sighs> after all that happened with the Rams and Sean McVay sort of ostracizing him, making him look like the problem. We can talk about Matt Stafford winning the Super Bowl for them. They haven't been as good since. But right now we're looking at Jared Goff in a revitalized situation. He's still playing, and Sean McVay and that Rams team is at home. And I think that that should be pretty massive on his psyche and what he's able to accomplish as a quarterback. Never thought he was a bad quarterback. But after that Patriots Super Bowl loss, a lot of people in L.A. thought that he was not the guy that could get you over the top. He showed that he can make the plays when they matter. Um, And he did that all year, and he's done that all year the last two years for this Lions team. Jared Goff gets a lot of credit. He he deserves a lot of credit for uh, going to this situation and making the most of it. I think most people wrote him off and said this was going to be a disaster for him. This could lead to him being out of the NFL and no longer viewed as a starting quarterback. He has proven them all wrong. There have been a few things this year that Lions, they were doubted for, that came that ended up being exactly what they needed. Dan Campbell being the head coach, a lot of people made fun of his presser. Most people, I think, enjoyed him and thought it was going to be fun, but you know, people would be lying if they said... They, thought it, would that be they thought it would be this, this quickly there. Jared Goff, the two running backs, having Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, that has certainly worked out for the Lions too. I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for Detroit, their fan base. I'm rooting for them. I really hope that they make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the other two games on Saturday, Ravens just made quick work of the Texans. I saw after the game Lamar Jackson talking to C.J. Stroud saying, brother, this is the only beginning for you. You're a rookie. You're going to be back here before long. So just have your patience. Um, because I think Lamar Jackson has had to exercise a lot of patience with his, his playoff career. But all those people that talked about him and him not showing up in playoff games, you look pretty foolish, don't you? At this moment. Now we'll see what he looks like against the Chiefs. That is the real test. But 34 to 10, 16 for 22, 152, two TDs throwing, then 11 attempts for 100 yards, two TDs rushing. For all those people that talked about Lamar Jackson coming out of Louisville when he was the Heisman Trophy winner and said, I don't know if I really trust or believe in this style of quarterback. The guy who runs the ball, who can put himself in harm's way because he'll get hit from running the ball who puts a lot of stress on himself using his legs. We don't want a quarterback like that. We want the, the guy who airs the ball out, who can be a pocket passer. You look foolish right now. This guy's going to be a two-time MVP, and he has a chance to go to his first Super Bowl ever. He's unbelievable. And we need to stop with these wide-sweeping conclusions about where he will be in three years. Let's enjoy the moment with him. He is a generational talent. 
He's something I don't think that we've ever seen, at least at this capacity. Yeah, we've seen the running quarterbacks before, um, but not not at this level. Um, and also, uh, all those people that talk about his arm talent and what he can't do with his arm, he can do whatever he wants with his arm. It's a little funky looking coming out of his hand, but he's got a cannon, and he can put it on guys. He, he without question, can place the ball when he wants to. And I still will stand by this. Um, obviously completely opinionated, but when we talk about arm talent in the NFL, I think he's a top-five guy. What he's able to do off-platform, the different angles he throws with, Lamar Jackson is is one of the best in the game right now, and he was arguably the best in the game. He'll probably win his second straight MVP, or second MVP uh, first since 2019, and it likely will be unanimous depending on the situation. Then the final game was Packers versus 49ers that we need to discuss. That was the second game. On Saturday. And the Packers, that's another team that I, going into the future, I, I like what they have. Jordan Love's going to have to get paid at least a little bit more. We'll see what that contract looks like. But uh, he can make the throws when he needs to. And uh, I know the two picks were loom large and the one to end the game. But against that 49ers team, who has been the most consistent team in the NFC the entire year, the Packers stuck in there, uh, ran the ball really well. That old line stepped up to the plate. Uh, defense, for the most part, really held themselves together and stabilized their, that that performance in general. That Packers team has a, has a bright future as well. Now, um, elsewhere, before we get into it with Parker Fleming, we did have the Grizzlies play over the weekend, and uh, they lost to the Bulls pretty handily. It was not; it did not look good. Um, One twenty-five. To uh, what was the final score? One twenty-five to ninety-six. Ninety-six. They ended yeah. up losing. Um, Zaire Williams continues his streak of bad play, minus seventy-seven in the last four games. What's going to happen with him going into the future? I did see Stephen Adams rejoins the team. So all those people that thought that it was over with with Stephen Adams, I think we can calm down at least for a half second. Um, he's been away from the team. He hadn't been on the bench because he's hurt and he's not going to play this year. He's out for the year. I figured that that was always the case. But I think it alleviated a lot of people's concerns to see him actually back with the team, rejoining them, and at least having a little camaraderie, talking to them during shoot-around and everything else. Also, Joakim Noah, that was fun to watch. That was fun. Uh, Joakim Noah showing back It's up. really cool to hear about how much he enjoyed his time in Memphis. I mean, I will never forget the first game he played. Everybody fell in love with him pretty quickly. He was a lot of fun when he was here. It was a, it was a tough time for the Grizz, but he was, uh, he was, he was but fun. For him... I think the reason he has so much, you know, uh, he wishes the Grizzlies well is because he was on his last leg. And there was yeah, not a lot of people that were willing to give him a shot at that moment. They gave him a shot. Yep. Um, and extended his NBA career that he thought probably was likely over. So I think there's a lot of – and him and Jaron seem to have a really good relationship there. Um, but it was cool to see him as well. Now, we need to go ahead and talk about all these things. What are the what are the Grizzlies going to do heading into the trade deadline, which will be on February 8th? We'll talk about all these things next with my man Parker Fleming, Subsack Elitist. Make sure that you go subscribe. But we'll also talk to him next, so stick around. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Back into the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. And joining me now via the phone line, Parker Fleming at Paca underscore Flocka. 
on X. He has Substack. Lead us as a Grizzlies free Substack. If you do support it, though, monetarily, all of that support goes to St. Jude. So we, we, we always love having him on. Um, and his, uh, his platform goes to a good place. Goes to a good place. But Parker joins now. Parker, what's happening, man? How are you? Gabe, man, I'm great. It's great to be back on the Gabe Coon Show. I rock with you and Connor super heavily. Uh, y'all are doing some great stuff over at 92.9, over at Odyssey. It's just it's just great stuff. I appreciate y'all having me on, hyping up the platform, and just talking some grizzly tubes, man. Yes, sir. Um, now, I, I want to start. How, how was your weekend? Did you, did you catch all the divisional round games, I take it, in the NFL? Or no? Uh, Gabe, I don't really want to talk about it. Uh, I think if I continue talking about it, it'll get pretty. Uh, it, it, it won't. It won't. It just won't hit. It won't hit. Okay. It, it may go. It may go far right. Actually. Okay. So, uh, oh, is so, that right? Yeah. It may, yeah, may. It may miss wide right. It may miss wide right. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I want to jump through a table and not in a good way. So, like, okay. let's just. <laughs> we'll yeah. stay away from it. Okay, yes. I hear you. I hear you. Now, uh, Grizzlies over the weekend, they play the Bulls, 125-96 loss. This team's just so decimated right now, and it's just hard yeah. to imagine a way forward um, where, where they're going to catch anybody in front of them. I don't think they'll catch anyone behind them. They're just sort of in this no-man's land, right? Like, is that sort of how you feel at this particular moment with the rest of the year? I mean, no-man's land, I guess you could say that's, I guess the charts they got to, navigate for right now just because they don't they don't have a point guard man like we're if we're really getting into the positional definition of a point guard the only ones available on the roster right now are jacob gilliard and scotty pippen jr who in a more normal situation would be playing point guard for the memphis hustle right now right as two-way players and i don't want to say rest of the season i really don't because you know uh, Marcus Smart and Desmond Bain, their reevaluation dates were six weeks from the injury, which would be around post All Star break. And if they're hovering, like right now, there's six games back of the 10th spot of the plan. And I'm not trying to push any sort of like right. false hope or anything, but I don't know what kind of message you're going to be sending to John Morant, Desmond Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. if you're like, that far away from the plan at, at the All Star break. Marcus is ready to go. Dez is ready to go. And you say, nah, like, just rest up, get ready for next season. I don't know what kind of message that sends, to be honest. So I feel like they're probably just in this weird, murky waters right now where, like, you look at a lot of the guys playing right now, you're like, okay, let's forget about 24 or 25 season. Which of these guys are going to be on the roster after right. the trade deadline? Right. And then – and then too, it's like okay, you're also you also don't have a point guard. You're decimated with injuries. You have what five of your best eight players not available between Jod, Bain, and Smart, and Clark, and Adams. Like that's a that's a lot of dudes, and that's three of your primary playmakers as well. So like, you just kind of have to coast until they get back. And I didn't even mention with the old um, injuries and returns and stuff that like, according to Mark Spears. Of uh, Anscape, I think it's what the platform is calling right. now. Formerly the undefeated, he said Brandon may be back by the All Star break. So, like, mm-hmm. what kind of message are you sending? It's like if you're in some sort of remote striking distance. It'd be one thing if we're in March, like late March, and you know they're about mathematically eliminated from the plan and say, okay, get ready. But like, there'd be a month and a half of basketball left, like. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that sends a good message. So I don't think it's the rest of the year. But I think for right now, until the All-Star break, 
there's not a lot you can do. But considering Ja, Steven, all these guys are going to be gone for the year, we'll see what happens with Brandon Clark. Uh, Dez, mm. I, even when he comes back, you want to be careful with uh, right. with his ankle and all those things. Like, I, I, I wonder how much on that roster right now there is, like, hope for this year. I think there's still this thought process, at least what we've seen from the front office and uh, from Taylor Jenkins and some of the rotations he's run out there, giving some young guys some minutes. It feels like there is this holdover, wait till next year type thing when everybody's back healthy. Yeah, it feels like one of those things this year where I think you texted me about this the other night. You said, isn't it more fun to watch Grizzlies games right now? Just because there's no expectations. Right. It's not the, – the sky isn't falling on social media every time they lose. Right. You know, that's an exhausting way to kind of go about sports coverage, sports following, just going zero to 100 one way or the other on any result. Um, so, I mean, right now it's just kind of like a, hey, if they win, great. That's just another game closer to the play-in. You're another game closer to some returns. And if you lose, like, okay, great. You're bolstering their lottery odds. This is a chance to add a young, quality player on great cost control on a roster that's about to get very expensive mm-hmm. with Destin Vane's extension heavy angst here. So, I mean, it's one of those cool to do, cool to don't. When it comes to games, I mean, obviously, you know, you want them to win as many games as possible, and you want them to put themselves in a position where Dustin Bain, Marcus Smart, and Brandon Clark can come back, and you're getting into meaningful basketball in March and April because that's what's really going to help the development of the young guys mm-hmm. like Vince Williams, David Roddy, T.G. Jackson is playing meaningful basketball and not this kind of, okay, well, let's just get to the end of the season and wait for next season. That, like, that's kind of where I stand on things. Yeah, now Vince Williams Jr. has been phenomenal, and he's lapped Zaire Williams, and I want to get into Z- uh, Zaire Williams. We know when he was drafted, there was a lot of hope for what he could become. Tenth uh, overall pick, you traded up to go get him. But I, I, we, Connor and I talked about this on Friday in that Timberwolves game. It was the, it wasn't the start of his his bad play, but it was sort of right there, sandwiched in the middle. Um, I think he was a team high minus twenty six in that game. But over these last four games, after a pretty decent start to twenty twenty four. He's minus 77 in his last four games. I am at the point where I just am ready to say, I am basically saying already, I don't think it's going to happen, at least in a Grizzlies uniform. Are you there with Zaire Williams? Because it just does not feel like the confidence ever got built, and it doesn't feel like he is an NBA player right now. It doesn't feel like he's close to being an NBA player. It's really tough because I don't think – I've seen ways of inconsistency like this since I want to give a throwback here since Stromile Swift. Mm-hmm. Where like one day, like one game you're watching, like wow, this looks like a dude that could be like a legit impact player in the league. The next, you're like, why? You're like, why? Well, but honestly, but honestly, right Parker, isn't it sort of possession to possession with him? Like it, it could be. <laughs> like the inconsistencies but, are even more than game to game. Yeah, I mean, I think the you point out that ten rules game. I think the biggest indicator of like okay something's not right here is you you look at the box you look at the box score and the eye test back backed it up as well they were, the Grizzlies in 12 minutes of Zaire Williams playing they were they got outscored by 26 points by the Minnesota Timberwolves and comparison John Conchar who played 26 minutes was a plus 14 in a 15 point loss mm-hmm. I feel like that's the biggest indicator it's just one of those things where no matter what the role that they're trying to put Zaire in, whether it's spotting up, playing off ball, playing on ball, uh, defending, 
this primary ball handler or defending this star player. There's moments and there's flashes, but there's just not enough to sustain positive production. And I think the thing with Zaire Williams, too, is like they're going to end up having to make a decision because when he's extension eligible this, this summer, I, I don't, I wouldn't put any money on, on uh, negotiations getting, getting super far. But I mean, he's entering, unrest- <laughs> or he's likely entering restricted free agency next summer. You have another young big wing of the archetype that you've been trying to mold been trying to find over the past several years in Gigi Jackson Jr. I think Gigi Jackson Jr. kind of represents a reset on the development of a big wing where if you want to use Zaire Williams to go get some assets or attach him to a bigger salary with assets and go get, go get a guy, I think you could do that. I think Zaire Williams, I think a team will, will take a flyer. It's like, all right, cool. Let's see what he looks like at the end of the season. We'll have him through all next season in our system. If he's great, or if he's good, then awesome. We can keep him because it'll be easy with a restricted free agency. We can match any offer. So, I mean, I, I, I kind of lean on that with you. I think, hey, maybe it's put together. Maybe it's not. And if it is, it's probably not going to be in a Grizzlies uniform. Now, with Gigi Jackson, Connor and I have a little bit of a change uh, or difference of opinion here. Um, it's the if-win conversation with G.G. Jackson and his development. Mm-hmm. I know he's 19 years old and I, uh, yeah. somewhere in the 30-day range. He's very, very young. And he just came off those two games in a row where he had 20-plus points. Um, and he was the youngest player alongside uh, LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Great, great uh, uh, two guys to be mentioned in the same breath with. Um, but is it if or when when, when it comes to his development? I'm going to say when. Okay. I'm going to say when, but I don't think – like, I kind of want to press the brakes on the notion that he's going to be a top eight rotation guy next year. Mm-hmm. Like, I've already seen people, you know, they put together their rotations for next year. Like, oh, this team compete compete for a championship next year. And they have Gigi Jackson over Luke Kennard or Santi Aldama. And I'm like, all right, can we just pause <laughs> real quick? I like Gigi Jackson. I think the thing that's intriguing with Gigi Jackson, and I wrote about this last week on Sub-Sacralitas, those 20-point games, he got all that within the flow in the offense. And that was a lot of his criticisms at South Carolina was the inability to play in a system. He showed those games last week. He can play in a system. He can, he can get his buckets in a system. And that's something that they haven't really gotten on the wing position since I mean, since they've been trying to search for this wings with Zaire Williams, David Roddy, and Jake Laravia. And I know uh, Mike Wallace of Grind City Media, he kind of caught some flack for saying this, but he's he's right that the Grizzlies haven't had a prospect as talented and gifted as Gigi Jackson since John Moran. I think that's fair. And I mean, I do. he's 6'9". He's just, he's just a kid, too. You can tell like he could still be growing. I mean, hell, you saw that picture of him the other day and shoot around with, next to Steven Adams. He's looking eye to eye with him and he's yep. 19 years old. And the thing, I texted Connor about this last week, the thing that intrigued him most that Gigi Jackson said was I was after the next game. He said it was that game where he realized, oh, I'm their size, but I just don't have the muscle mass they do. What's going to happen when he puts on three or when he, like three, let's say two or three seasons from now when he's putting on legit NBA weight at his size, his handle, his scoring ability, and some of the defensive flashes that he's shown, too. I mean, this dude could be a real impact player from the power forward position, from the small forward position. However, Taylor Jenkins wants to utilize him, 
And I think, too, the mentality switch that he's undergone from South Carolina to now with the Memphis Grizzlies and through his pre-draft process is, you know, that experience, it humbled him, and he's ready to work, and he wants to work to be a great player. And I think he has the tools and the mentality to really be a different speaker for the Grizzlies. So I, I go win. I'm, I'm on win on this. Okay, now talking with Parker Fleming at Paca underscore Flocka covering the Grizzlies. Go subscribe to his free Substack, Substack Elitist. It's a free Grizzlies Substack. Now, uh, I want a couple of primers here before I let you roll. One, we have the uh, trade deadline coming up on February 8th. What what can you tell us? What can you, what can we expect the Grizzlies front office to do between now and February 8th when the trade de- trade deadline hits? Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Memphis Grizzlies and their moves and stuff is it's pretty common uh, con- consensus that they move in silence, so to speak. And, I mean, that was evident through they came in in that failed Porzingis trade out of nowhere and got Marcus Smart. Last trade deadline, they got Luke Kennard. Um, and then I know this is a bad throwback, but even several years ago, they turned Andre Gudala's media tour into Justice Winslow, a flyer on Justice Winslow. So, like, you never know. Um, I know Matt Moore of the Action Network had put out there that the Grizz he's put out there in several reports that the Grizzlies are likely going to be shopping, um, you know, guys like seeing what they can get from just like Zaire Williams, David Roddy, Jake Arabia, John Conchar, kind of give it the notion as they're more buyers instead of sellers, which I know after Jaw's injury, everyone pivoted to saying, yo, are they about to trade Luke Kennard and Marcus Smart? And right. I'm like, they're, they, they're not going to get rid of anybody that doesn't add that. They're not going to get rid of anybody that's valuable for the next year if it doesn't equate or exceed the value of next season. Mm-hmm. So I think you'll kind of see them kind of work around the margins. Um, I know, I, th- I think it was Ian Bagley. Yep. I, I probably butchering his last name uh, up in New York. He mentioned that from the Grizzlies were a team. Yeah, from SNY. He mentioned that they're a team interested for Quentin Grimes. And, Quentin Grimes, you know, he's kind of fallen out of favor with Tom Thibodeau. I mean, last year he was starting for a, and contributing at a high level as a sophomore for a really good Knicks team. Uh, I know, I want to say in his pre-draft cycle, it was one of y'all's, um, John Martin or Martin Giannato had reported that the Grizzlies had worked out Quentin Grimes. So I think that'd be a great target. But I think just it's going to probably be quiet. There's not going to be a lot of fireworks, but I, I can foresee them kind of working around the margins in efforts to – bolster their roster going into next season. And then uh, free agency is going to hit at some point this offseason. I don't think it's like some great uh, free agency class that the Grizzlies can take advantage of because they don't have a whole lot of money. They're going to be paying a lot to Desmond Bain and John Morant and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But but what do you expect as they get into this offseason? Because there is questions about Steven Adams and Brandon Clark in that front court. Will they look the same when they return? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I know everyone, I know People that are smarter about the cap than I am, you know, Chris Harrington and Matt Herlicka, uh, they've been already going that ad nauseum about the luxury tax, and the Grizzlies are close to that second apron, which gives them a lot of comp- competitive disadvantages. So, but I, th- I can foresee them kind of working around the margins with with their roster, given their uh, tax situation. You know, Zach Kleiman said it, I think, in an exit interview two two seasons ago that they're willing to pay whatever it takes to, to win. And I know they even had something put out from through ESPN's Brian Windhorst that, like, they will pay whatever it takes if they believe that the team's a championship team. 
So I've, I've, this is the first off season where that that's going to be put to the test. But it, it really all boils down to a the team option with Luke Kennard and how they navigate that. I mean, I don't think they'll let him walk into unrestricted free agency or anything, but just how they go about that will be interesting. But also too, with uh, it's really going to boil down to do the Grizzlies believe in both Brandon Clark and Stephen Adams to be healthy and impactful going into 2024, 2025, and if they don't. Who do they believe in more? Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. Well, Parker, I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again soon. It has been a while, uh, and I'm I'm yes, sorry sir. about your bills. I'm sorry about your bills. I'll just say it, that. Before it's I let all you roll. it's all good. It's all good. I appreciate it, Gabe. Thanks for having me on, man. Yes, sir. He is Parker Fleming at Paca underscore Flocka on X. Make sure you go. Uh, subscribe to his Grizzlies free Substack, Substack Elitis. If you if you do decide to contribute to it, all of that support goes to Saint Jude. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 